0: You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for joining us. On The Exchange today, RA writer Katie Thomas shares her conversation with the artist and Factory Floor Band member, Nick Kolk Void, who's just released her debut solo album,
1: took me quite a long time to get around to writing this record to be honest because it did feel like I needed to kind of harness it in in my own words in my own language you know really learn about what I was doing and and try and have a vision or you know something a way of attack of how I how I wanted my sound to sort of develop.
0: With a background in bands and a deep affinity for modular synthesizers Nick Kolk Void seems to be at a really special point in her musical journey. She's able to draw confidence from all her experiences with collaborators, and she's ready to show the world what she's been working on as a solo artist. Her album, Bucked Up Space. As you're about to hear, Nick's chat with Katie tells of tales of performing in the tanks of Tate Modern. Nick's experiences growing up on the isolated UK coastline and even details of a new factory floor record that is in the works. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Nick colk on RA's Exchange.
2: Welcome to the exchange, Nick. It's lovely to have you here. Um, this is the first exchange that I've hosted and Martha, who regularly hosts the interviews, often starts by asking to hear about the artist's earliest memories of music. So I thought we could start there. What are your like first earliest memories of music?
1: You know, that the first memories are always from your parents, really, aren't they? And what they they listened to at home and um so my dad was kind of like an enthusiast of building his own sort of stereo systems. Mm -hmm. So he would be blasting anything from Michael Jackson to um, you know, like um the Beatles or regular stuff that most parents listen to. And then my brother, he was eight years older than me, so he and my sister were listening to like Depeche Mode and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it was a real kind of um, sort of you know, it was, it was pre-pop for mm-hmm. that time, I suppose. Um, um, and then, you know, like, our parents separated when I was quite young. So I went into a different household and there wasn't that much music, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very different environment. So it was almost like finding my own music and um, sort of at h in The Teens. But before that, I think I was more sort of into the idea of, um, you know, I was more into art from, a pretty early age of mm. finding a space to work um so music was kind of in the background it wasn't until I got into my teens that you know I um I had got a hold of a guitar and then it was life changed
2: yeah. <laughs> and do you remember your first the first time you experienced live music
1: live music wasn't there wasn't that much going on from where I grew up because where it was was so isolated where did you grow up in North Norfolk near the coastline, and it was just, there wasn't really, it, it wasn't accessible to go to shows, so live music. So, so it, was, it wasn't it was until I sort of managed to get on the train, direct train to London, that I started mm-hmm. to go to, to things like, um, at that time it would have been like Sonic Youth, um, Dinosaur Junior, mm-hmm. um, and then that seeped into me learning guitar and then getting into like, the whole idea of more noise chord based stuff which mm-hmm. um, happened pretty early on I mean I was um, um, I, I managed to sort of like fall into place in a band which is a guitar you know, orientated band and um, that was like my ticket out of like being in such an isolated situation mm-hmm. and um, you yeah, know I was um, introduced to things a bit later on like uh, Glenn Branker and uh, by the, associating myself with like A&R people around me and mute records which mm-hmm. which happened if, with, with the first um, sort of band set up I was in and I was able to go and travel to, to America quite a lot because um, the first label we were on was uh, a label called Devil in the Woods in California so it was sort of there we, we would meet Bands like the Tigre and Eraserdutter and War of the Riot Girl type bands, so it kind of like filtered from being in the US side to being in the in in the UK side. Which at the time, the UK music wasn't really sort of grabbing me as much as the US side of
2: stuff at that time. Going back a little bit again, I read an interview earlier where. You talked about how your mum would always be able to tell where you'd been sat in the room because you'd leave like this pile of stuff in your wake so you were kind of making things right from the beginning and it kind of, it reminded me of seeing you at all points east play sort of like surrounded by machines <laughs> and I sort of pictured it being a grown-up version of you being sat on the floor in like your living room or whatever yeah, surrounded yeah. by yeah. things so I suppose you've had this penchant for building and creating and putting pieces together for as long as you can remember.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, like I say, from a really early age, I I knew sort of like, I was very art orientated, like, the school I was going to was like, super into rugby and sports. It championed all those things that I wasn't. So when I found my own space in the art room, you know that's when it all started to happen um and i just had this real investigative approach of like combining materials um and you know it went on to art school where i'd combine sort of sound field recordings even recordings from public spaces um and incorporate that into like um sort of machine building which was more stuff like um visual films that i would make the mechanics so that they're on loops and things like that so it's all sort of like it was just a really investigative approach of experimenting with whatever I had to hand because Mm -hmm. I wasn't super you know it it, it was I think that happens when you grow up in in an environment that's not stimulating you know like so you you kind of but you've obviously got lots to your disposal and you just pull it all together and (laughs) you know like start to build and that that's what actually just made me happy you know
2: yeah yeah and then um when you were sort of starting to work with modular a bit further along i remember you talking about you had a really encouraging supportive relationship with people at rubber dub in glasgow um mm-hmm. and i wondered if you wanted to talk a bit about that kind of learning experience and like figuring out the machines through experimenting and
1: when I began learning guitar, it was basically learning from songs and bands that I loved, um, and it I kind of exhausted it and had this relationship with it where it wasn't it didn't feel my own. Um, so then I left, and when I brought it back again like a few years later, when I met Gabe and Dom in East London, um, I was like, just said to myself that I'm only going to do this if I kind of reinvent you know bring all that kind of learning of creativity that I've done with my um with my visual art into like my music and obviously like being big fans of like extended techniques and I think Arnold Drabert was one of the first albums that really um pushed me in that direction Mm -hmm. and and um so with the guitar it was like using extended techniques and then I was feeding it through like synths like B B16 synth which was something that Chris Carter pointed me in the direction of which was a guy in Cambridge was making these little synth things that he, he adapted so that I could feed my guitar through it and it was just like oh my god this has just opened up my world mm-hmm. so um, it, it just felt like the natural progression to move into modular synth um, because you can design your own setup Mm -hmm. and at first it just felt pretty daunting I mean it's like what do all these things mean you know you can watch endless of YouTube videos but what struck me was that it's very hands-on and you know you can literally um turning something with a fraction of of a turn uh, will change that sound dramatically and and I like that I like that it gave me those choices so but to get an actual sound in the first um, part of it like the initial part was like the difficult part so it's like how do these like modular compartments link and how does this sound happen and you know it's like a completely different community compared to like what I faced in my teens with a guitar community I mean I wasn't really um, aware of it but obviously there's the cliche of going into a guitar store and not really getting noticed um Mm -hmm. or helped too much at that point um it was just fine you know because it left me to my own devices Mm -hmm. but with um places like rubber dub um um ALM actually loads and loads of like signature modular synth makers they're very open to like chat about their techniques and their new products and Mm -hmm. and or problem solving and it it's um you know, it's like nothing I've experienced before, that kind of, there isn't that kind of snobbery or no, this is my mm. my ideas. You can't, because everyone's ideas are unique because you can, can't get the same figuration, configuration, really, it's all a very personalized
2: system. Yeah, that's interesting. So it was like a totally different kind of learning experience because you didn't feel like you had to do it on your own
1: so um, much. Yeah, I mean, your initial starts were definitely that it was there, all I just had to do was just walk into a store or mm-hmm. or, or email, you know, um, and be completely open and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. And and that was just like, oh my God, welcome to the world of Modulo. But yeah, it's it's, um, it's pretty daunting um, and it took me a few years to kind of work out what it was I was actually trying to do with my setup, what sound I was trying to emulate. Um, and i mean uh, you kind of get an intuitive idea of what you want once you get an idea of how all the basics work mm-hmm. um yeah but you know i'm still today emailing people saying okay this uh, this looks interesting you know explain mm-hmm. it to me i'm probably
2: discovering new sounds and new things all the time still
1: yeah absolutely absolutely um and i think that's possibly why well, it took me quite a long time to get around to writing this record to be honest because mm-hmm. it did feel like i needed to kind of harness it in in my own words in my own language you know really learn about what i was doing and and try and have a vision or you know something um you know a, a, a way of attack of how i how i wanted my sound to sort
2: of develop yeah so yeah because so you put out the record with Peter Reburg a few years ago and I understand that initially he had approached you about doing your own project and you didn't feel ready and that's how the collaborative one came about?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um So I wasn't going in a direction of a solo record at that point. Um Collaboration is a massive point of entry into like creative work for me. So mm-hmm. like, um, I, I wasn't done with collaborating. Um, so obviously with Factory Floor, it took on one form, and then Void was like working with the pioneers of industrial music, like Chris and Cozy, mm-hmm. um, and that was in comparison to factual very free form. Um, I could really experiment with the noise side of guitar and electronics. Um, so it was almost like I was kind of in this this tandem space in this, <laughs> in the middle, not kind of knowing complete what direction I wanted to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Rayberg. Um, he, he he's this he has this real instinct of knowing um you know being if he to knowing what he sort of levitates towards artists that he feels like um would have the right approach to creating music that's not so obvious like it sort of sits between. The edges of something, and it could like if it if he gave it a nudge, it could move, in, and the vehicle to get it out there that it could turn into something quite you know unique and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um But being a big fan of KTL and the works of Peter, I was just like in awe of him emailing me, and I was just like, "Can we collaborate instead? You know, mm-hmm. like maybe take it from there." And he was he was super happy, and and yeah, that's how MPVR began.
2: Mm-hmm. And so now you've got your solo album that's ready to go out into the world. And do you think you can hear his influence in the music? Oh, absolutely. Like, um,
1: so um, if I kind of explain how the differences between the collaborations, um, well, have done briefly, but with Peter, um, he really pushed the boundaries of like, improvisation um, and showed me that because he had the confidence in me to, to stand up on, uh, in, in a place and just to do my thing. Mm-hmm. It kind of, um, it drove me. Um, and so every time we wouldn't work together in um, between the shows, all okay. the concerts or the performances, we would meet up and obviously our setups our modular setups had sort of slightly changed a bit because we'd bought, independently bought something and added to our mm. system. So it was like, it was, you know, it was like this ritual thing where you'd go up on stage, um, set up on the table in the check and you'd sort of like have one eye on your setup and another eye on, on the others and say that, oh, okay, you know, it's like, yeah, what's what what's there? going on there? <laughs> and, and then it wasn't until we began that this kind of... Um, it just felt really, really instinctively um, pure and real because we had no idea of how this show would yeah. sort of transpire, and and um, you know, um, and it was it was almost like just running really fast in your mind, and 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 super concentrated to listen to what he was doing and me to react and try and work with that or against it you know and these real contrast of sounds will happen um and that sort of like that brave way of working that courageous way of working in a form of in front of an audience um is something that i wouldn't have learned if i hadn't stepped out with peter um as mpvr um and i kind of knew that that was what I needed to learn before I could assign myself to making a, a, my own album, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
2: So you've been making music and performing for a long time now. You've had eight studio albums released so far, I believe as Factory Floor, Car to Duty Void, and of course, MPVR, which we spoke about. If you were to highlight some of your defining moments, achievements, performances from over the years, I'm sure there are many. <laughs> but what do you think are the things, for whatever reason, the moments or the things that spring to mind to you first? Um, Well, the personalities that you work with within
1: collaboration Mm -hmm. um, always determine how that sound of that project kind of evolves. And um, Gabe and Dom, I mean, my relationship with them is almost like a, you know, almost like, brothers in in terms of like it's really personal we it's um um you know it, it can be we can be in competition with each other on stage um we can also be the opposite where we watch each other's backs you know it's a real kind of like tribal relationship within factory floor um and that's why we had to stop for a while because i think we'd exhausted that and um and so with CTV, um, obviously, there it's a different point of entry because they are like, you know, TG. They are like Chris and Cody. They are like people that I, uh, you know, have been hugely inspired by. Yeah. So um, when I met them on for full of um with with Meet Records they inter in, um invited us to collaborate together and so the process of me going down to meet them on the train station, um, I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea of how it was going to evolve. So at that point I was, you know, it was so you know, they liked the idea of me playing guitar. Um Cozy obviously, you know, with Cozy playing guitar, we both um, she saw a similar approach to what I had with mine in Factual and she mm-hmm. does has had obviously um, you know it's not um, it's not a traditional way of playing so um, when I first met them it was absolute kind of um, uh, you know the, the nervousness of going down there and taking that journey and take and, and, and um, packing my case like walking out of the warehouse in north london getting on a train going to the countryside was was pretty extreme and then Mm. i saw them on the platform and they just looked so cool (laughs) (laughs) and it was so friendly and um you know it was like okay let's let's do our work so we Mm. went to their studio and it just seamlessly worked very natural together and there was a real
2: respect Mm. in our sounds did you find that your nerves kind of dissipated immediately as soon as you were kind of Absolutely, together. absolutely.
1: Yeah, it it was felt just natural. yeah, it felt really natural mm-hmm. and um, kind of surreal because you know um, you 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 get a, a, a mind in your you know you get an image in your in your mind of how you think it's gonna mm. going to be and going to the you know it was so it was so good that they were inviting me into their own home where their studio is and um, and you know. Uh, Chris is like super organized. Mm-hmm. He his studio was just absolutely like top spec. And he had a space there ready for me to lay out my equipment mm-hmm. and st- and get to work and it, you know that's just a real invitation to creativity. Um so even that that studio time with them was was a highlight. Mm-hmm. And then obviously then it tra- you know going to play at the um at the roundhouse for the mm. for the mute collaboration um uh, you know going in front of a tg audience was terrifying as mm. well but i got exactly the same response from the audience as i did with chris and cozy it was almost like a feeling of warmth
2: that you were and you're supposed to be there
1: yeah yeah absolutely and um and and it you know all, all these worries just completely disappeared you know mm. um with Factory Floor, it's been a massive build from mm. seeing, you know, we're playing a few shows in East London, you know, the, the typical venues, mm-hmm. um, the old blue last and, yeah. you know. The classic. The classics. <laughs> and at that point, like, that was just when Shoreditch was beginning to get drenched fried. So we had a few sort of warehouse shows. Um, things just seemed to grow. And it, it was a real kind of, um, there was a real sense of, like, excitement around it because you know it was it was organic it was something that I think reflected how East London was at that point mm-hmm. um and um so I think in those early stages of of Factory Floor are some of my favorites because we grew from playing in these places to then going to say playing club to club in Turin mm-hmm. and um you know um I remember um Gabe running across the uh, the um stage behind John Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's it's a real kind of playfulness with with our way of working, mm-hmm. you know. Um real ups and downs. Um and then you go to like yeah yeah, you know, obviously like we f- we followed a similar footsteps of CTV, playing CTM festival, um, you know, uh mainly electronic festivals around Mm -hmm. europe um and then you get to like playing with mpvr with peter and you go to more elaborate sound concentrated places like grm in paris where you're playing through the multi-channel um system um you know and you're playing theaters. I mean my collaboration with Clara Lewis is is still going. you mm-hmm. know it's all still ongoing. We've just finished a record together. Um, and that's now coming into another phase of playing of um, I think again in electronic festivals, but we have we're working with Pedro Mayer who's uh,
2: amazing. I Featured. wanted to ask you about this actually because yeah. I was at Semibrev. Oh, you were saw it. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Why did you not
1: come and find me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about it because um, I remember when the first time we spoke you were saying about your interest in bringing visual art together with music mm. and I just felt like that performance with Clara and Pedro in that insane 20th century theatre that was so decadent mm. was just like such a nice bringing together of like, art music kind of scientific ways of working and then this insane yeah yeah, so i was going to ask you just kind of about the concept of that show and performance and how the three of you kind of brought it together it started
1: clara and i started working together in 2016 um and we 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 had a residency at the metal gallery in liverpool which followed by playing at the liverpool philharmonic and at first it was you know um they were ongoing live, long form sort of improv, improv you know, electronic music It mm-hmm. um, sounded very dark. I um, remember, you know, like we got offered more shows like at Cafe Otto, um, mm-hmm. Black Box Theatre in um, Oslo. And it, it, it kind of they kind of moved slightly, but I think it was almost like an exhaustion overload of all the other projects we were doing Mm -hmm. independently. And it wasn't until... um, we went away and carried on doing our other collaborative work or, you know, she's done numerous solo records and, I, you know, me doing this one, that we got together and we were like, blow it, let's not do long forms, let's do, let's do tracks that are like 30 seconds long, mm-hmm. let's do short forms and them to be completely diverse, like mm-hmm. from pop to noise to um, techno, um, but extreme, mm-hmm. so, so that actually did, the performance works if it's taken in as a whole. I don't know if you felt that, that you have to kind of sit through it and it emotionally pulls you backwards and forwards because it's so Yeah. it know, kind of
2: shapeshifts in seconds. Completely. In seconds, yeah. yeah. It's
1: a real it's almost like um, you know, if you can imagine someone mixing like a you know, a Jay Diller out al- the Jay Dealer album of how that's like constructed and put together and mm-hmm. it's it's um sort of collage of sound. Look mm-hmm. Don't are not supposed to work together. So yeah. so it was like this this kind of meeting of all well, these different genres. We were pulling out our own sense style of working with our own equipment and working together. Semi brief. We had like um, a, a a week during lockdown where we went up to Portugal a year before where we worked together and we recorded this album in a, in an upstairs building. You know, and this kind of really beautiful. Um, old building mm-hmm. um to going into the theater the cheek oh, I can't remember the name of the theater which was super elaborate S- S- theater, S- Cir- like yeah circo or yeah something yeah like that I think I mean super elaborate <laughs> I mean it's like red velvet chandelier gold, <laughs> gold leaf and, and it, it was just like incredible yeah. incredible incredible sound system and Pedro Mayer's um visuals He's like an, an amazing filmmaker. Um, his his job is like um, restoring old sixteen millimeter film in Berlin, and he so he has like a huge catalog accessible to him of uh, manipulating these 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 film reels, and then transposing translating them via digital system. You know, and it's kind of similar to how we were, Clara and I, is that, you know, I used a lot of vocals that I'd made and we produced and and she, you know, she then sort of manipulated with outboard processing mm-hmm. um i looped we sampled we sampled each other it's a real exchange of sounds as opposed of like layering of sounds mm-hmm. so i would take something that she'd done and i'd produce you know process it and it was like vice versa so it's a similar way of um how i approached ctv where it was like this respectful space for each other mm-hmm. um but with this one we went a step further by Going without on among the outer limits of what we usually do. So we would push each other in terms of like I'd be singing pretty heartfelt grab, you know, grab in the air music, like a cappella stuff mm-hmm. at home. I brought to the studio and she's just like, I'm really digging this, this is great. Whereas usually I would just not let that sea like <laughs> come out <laughs> in right existence. <laughs> exactly. So it was it's almost yeah, sisterhood. We got, you know, with with Clara, mm-hmm. we're, we're we're growing and um and that's still going, which is really, really amazing.
2: Yeah, lovely. Um, and yeah, we sort of deviated a bit there from your sort of career highlights. <laughs> do you think? Are there any others that spring to mind? or do you think? Um, it's actually all a bit of a blur. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, also you've been doing this for a long time now. So yeah so, many highlights. Uh, there
1: is. Uh, I mean, some of I mean, there was there was things like the Tate Modern um, tanks that we did with Factory Floor, which mm-hmm. was a real highlight because it was uh, you know we were we were facing each other in the middle of this space expanse space and people were invited to come in watch us just like it was almost like a full day of us playing like oh, a wow. sort of um as, a, as if we would set up studio in the middle of this space but live and we were we were um you know we were just playing and people were taking their clothes off and dancing in the shadows of the tape um
2: <laughs> and that space is so like cavernous and concrete yeah that must have been amazing yeah
1: it was it's very intense you know and it was nice because like um you then get to uh, like the audience isn't your audience so they're, they're basically people going to the gallery space so if they come in and they, and they stand around and they do get into it, it's pretty amazing. And also it's great if they come in, take a look and walk away, you know, mm-hmm. it's that freedom mm-hmm. um, which is, is good to play with. And I think that inspired like later art residencies I did at the Barbican where I had a open studio space similar with Harry Massa and then the Severidge Gallery. You know, it's that kind of... Um, with the, the the different projects that I've had with the numerous bands on my own solo work, um, and, and each set has has been quite different from the other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was sim- it's similar with the art residencies as well, where it's like it's very interactive with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's difficult to say what the highlights are because I've kind of ma- managed to get something great from every single one of them even
2: if they were a disaster you know (laughs) um well now people have obviously heard all these all the different projects that you've done and everything you've accomplished over the years i think it might be surprising to some people that bucked up space which is out on april the 8th is your first ever solo album so what would you like people to take away from the record when they listen to it I don't want it to be predictable, and mm-hmm. I and I, I hope that they're not going
1: to feel that they've heard one track and that's you know I don't that's, think anyone will think that <laughs> like that's done. I don't think you need to worry they they know that. where I'm coming from. I think mm-hmm. I want people to listen to it and think about um, things different, like hear the detail in mm-hmm. it because there is a lot of detail in there, but. Um, the whole idea i mean i've I found it difficult to do a solo record because i I find bouncing off other artists, other people is my strength, mm-hmm. so obviously solo it was um it was a case of like having to have strict um ideals of how I was gonna put these these ideas together, you know almost mm-hmm. like um um with no emotion like doing these um patches a day and then recording um experimenting with that recording and then taking it into some sort of form that where all these sounds kind of relate to each other because they all come from the same sound source um Mm -hmm. and you know so i want i want people to think differently about um what music in the box i don't uh, you know to see that there is a way of like being on the edges of those if of the box if you see what i mean Mm, (laughs) um i it's not a techno record it's not a noise record it's not i i I mean i'm still trying to work out what it is myself so Mm -hmm. um and it's it's obviously means a lot to me this record because uh peter passed away sadly um and without him it it wouldn't surface and and um and he obviously heard the records and we had it all set up for release um and he and he and he said to me he, he wasn't a man with many words he said it was a cracking record and that was just an <laughs> amazing thing yeah. um and i just hope that people just just listen to it and just like you know go back to it and hear something different every single time mm-hmm. you know
2: And it's been ready, so you said that Peter was able to hear it, so it's been ready since 2020, or you sort of finished it around? Yeah, well, um,
1: I I finished it, like, around 2020, early 2020, and then I passed it on to Marta Salogni to Mm -hmm. mix. Um, And, yeah, so
2: I've sat on it, sat with it for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was listening to it, I felt that a couple of the tracks the lead single interruption is good included kind of capture that hypnotic kind of dance floor energy that factory floor also had um and then i was wondering if you made those tracks kind of with the dance floor in mind and maybe that's why now feels like the right time because we can dance again yeah
1: yeah absolutely um yeah i mean so playing um sort of gallery spaces clubs um, festivals have all informed this record Mm -hmm. so there are you know interruptions good flat time um, are kind of like narratives that you know have been absorbed perhaps not in the sort of like the general dance um, club music scene but more of the kind of like edgy stuff I suppose Um, and it's Self satisfying to listen to and to construct a record, a, a track like that for me. For me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also self satisfying to do the extreme experimental mm-hmm. um, stuff like um, Absence Pile Island and stuff like that that comes in between those tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, where I sit live, I don't think I would be just in a club or in a gallery. It's,
2: you know, I sit on the fence. You've said that with this album, rather than working with collaborators, as you have so much in the past, that this time your collaborator is the audience and that the record is kind of an ode to all the live performances that have come before. So I thought, could you expand on that idea a bit?
1: Yeah, so um, over the the years building up to 2020, well, 2019 really, I started to shift on to more solo performances and each performance seemed to change drastically, so I would prepare um, before going out on stage and the preparation with modular synth is, is uh, you know, I'd make an—I'd have a patch going or um, I'd have some pre-recordings which I would use with sampling modules and things like that, so I had some sort of rough idea but it didn't take form or shape until I was actually in front of an audience. Um, there be some times where it wouldn't be for me to please the audience, but it would, you know, sometimes for me to kind of um, perhaps um, t- take them by surprise. Mm-hmm. I, I have always enjoyed volume. Um, I'm sort of quite old school in, in terms of, like, vast amount of volume. I, it, it makes me feel alive mm-hmm. and... Um, so I have that real connection with with kind of um, that side of things. So obviously volume only really happens realistically when you get into a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all, all these, all these um, things were kind of mindfully, um, I would go into a, a situation where I didn't really know how that set would pan out. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I'd take sort of, what I'd got back from from that situation, all the audience, um, what what worked, what got response, um, what made me feel uncomfortable as a performer, um, and sometimes I'd I'd visit that, you know, I'd revisit that after going home. I have a studio at home, and I would like re sort of record those ideas at home and just have a bank of ideas sitting there between each show.
2: You've talked before about. The idea of using machines to invent your own language. So, how would you describe the language of Bucked Up Space?
1: Um, they definitely have the same kind of um, pitches going on. A lot of the sounds actually originate from guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really small, tiny, sec- tiny sections, seconds of guitar feedback. Um, so, some of it would be mistaken for synth, um, and. So, because it's coming from guitar, the sound is it kind of belongs to the same group of tone and texture, and um, so yeah, I guess if you want to be kind of poetic, I guess each each track is like a different conversation, different topic, mm-hmm. um, using those sounds that I've kind of introduced through through quite a few years of experimenting. Um, using filters, um, um, outdoor, uh, outdoor, out, outboard processing, and things like that. So, um, a lot of the patches um, exist from you know pre-recordings, recordings of one day of one patch. So they sound familiar. So when you put them together, it, it you know, they seem to work quite well. Mm-hmm. The, the the um the tonality of it um, works so it definitely has this sort of dark kind of um almost like acoustic messed up
2: sound (laughs) (laughs) and with the record being so informed by live performance and sort of some of it would have a home on a dance floor or a sort of darker edgy dance floor like you say and then some of it might find a home in a gallery performance if you could perform this record anywhere where do you think would be the perfect place for it Mm. <laughs> um, I think um,
1: it needs to go to another level, mm-hmm. you know. Because now I have the, I have it. I, ha- you know, that's that's the weirdness of like now I've got to this point where I I need to go out and play this record, which mm-hmm. I've never sort of felt that before. Um, so I think the the ideal space would be like the GRM Paris or, mm-hmm. or somewhere where the system is is kind of like sort of designed so it then expands that the wideness of, of the sound mm-hmm. um then again i really do like the
2: the basement club <laughs> environment <laughs> well you can so. ha- you can have two chosen venues for it that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um
1: i mean obviously i'd love to go back to the burghine
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know um and, but it would have to be an early set <laughs> it, it can be like 5am set yeah. or something like that so um, and well this is the thing I've never really thought about it in the context of where it would work best because it's just got so so quite a few dimensions to it mm-hmm. so um, I'd also like to be, um, a bit of feedback I've had about this record is that you can hear it on you know it's good to digest a different volume Mm -hmm. you can you can listen to it quite low or really loud so I like that idea that that um that it's kind of flexible yeah yeah yeah
2: great um and then we've spoken before about the challenges you faced being a woman in electronic music and I expect probably particularly in the world of kind of modular synthesis where people would assume that you weren't the one in the band working the machines or that you hadn't produced your own material and things like that so I wondered if how you've kind of experienced the industry change and its attitude towards you and your work over the years and because I'm you know obviously there's been progress but there's lots of work still to be done. Yeah I um, see
1: well because I've been doing this for a while mm-hmm. like 15 to 18 years or whatever Mm um what's really become apparent to me is i didn't notice and that's kind of oh my god i didn't notice that these are the reasons why i wasn't getting the same opportunities Mm -hmm. then um you know guys and um it kind of had i had a bit of a sadness feeling about that which only sort of hit me sort of um you know when i decided that i wanted to do go my own path after factory floor um before fact i mean with with gabe and dom there's never been any of that you know we've always been equal um is you know um the only times i i find it is then when people assume that i'm not in the band or something when i turn up with the new oops that 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 used to happen um also like in it in, in the eyes of the press it would be more about say how i looked or what i wore yeah. as opposed to me being part of the machine mm-hmm. you know so um but i didn't i um i kind of like i was t- totally sort of a little slightly bit unaware um because um you know there's not just the struggle of of sexism in the industry it's also the struggle of being able to do it financially mm-hmm. you know so that was my main concern was working three jobs or whatever at the same time as, as doing the music and um, I think uh, it's it's kind of also that mindfully I was f- not feeling accepted and, and that is another reason why it took me a while to do a solo record I didn't feel that I mm. was sort of like um i had anything to say mm-hmm. so much until the changes started to happen and i'm like um actually yes i can do this this mm-hmm. is something that i need to do i've been working so hard at this why am i not why am i not putting my own voice out there you know mm-hmm. um and it's just amazing that things are changing you know mm-hmm. and it should be more equal i think in the modular world it's equal enough i just think that." Um, it's it's just a, a overwhelming in itself anyway mm-hmm. you know like to get into that way of working mm-hmm. and um it's it takes a real kind of um commitment to go down a modular route because obviously it's kind of expensive yeah
2: totally mm. um and if you could give advice to somebody that's kind of looking to get into that part of electronic music what do you think the advice would be um,
1: I would just speak to anybody <laughs> you know like Send in the emails, world yeah absolutely like not be afraid of that because everyone no one really knows where to start with it it's so mm-hmm. expanse it, and um, yeah the the trick is just to actually just like put your hands up and say right where do I start mm-hmm. Um, this is the type of this is the type of um, path I want to go down with this electronic music. I mean, because everyone has a kind of an ins- it, it, um, sort of intuition of how they want it, whether they want it to be beat driven or ambient or, you know, say who their favourite artists are at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that will give them the start to, to know what sort of like modular um, Eurorack system to go for, how mm-hmm. to
2: build it. Yeah, great. And looking forward, what are you excited for? What are you hopeful for? Um, I'm looking forward
1: to being busy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's been a strange time in the last couple of years, like not, not having that, in fact, you know, like speaking to a lot of artists is that kind of facing the anxiety of getting back out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I have the, the Clara project, I have my solo work, I have um, Factory Flora, we work, started to work on a new record oh that's exciting yeah it's very exciting um <laughs> and it's great the, is that the, the is break that did us be, good
2: does that need is that does that oh, need yeah. to be off the record or no, no, no no
1: no 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 it's just it's no great. it's no big sort of like um announcement i don't see i think it's just like um um it's super exciting we we amazing. met up a, a month ago and started working together amazing um and um yeah it it does feel like we've gone away and built, you know, become stronger in our own independent way of working mm-hmm. and we're bringing back that back to it. So we hope that it's gonna
2: come back, we're gonna come back with a bit of a bang, <laughs> musically, hopefully. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, well, that's all the questions I had. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to? I'll
1: just I'll just really wanna like thank everyone who, you know, who came to the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, has have a you know, like been able to like just learn what I'm doing on stage basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm really like thankful to people having their patience the patience of watching me grow. <laughs> 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 um yeah, I'm 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 super optimistic about the future. Mm-hmm. I think there is a need for live music there's definitely a need for definitely. live music you know and it just goes with the, the pandemic it just like shows that how important that is is to feel this you know the spirit of of something that's just moves you in that instinctive way 100%. um so i'm really excited to get back on on doing you know playing festivals and just yeah. meeting more artists you know along the way
0: Thank you for listening to the RA Exchange with Nick colk Void, and Katie Thomas. You can browse our full archive on your favourite podcast platform. Make sure you subscribe to the Exchange to receive updates from us. And if you love the show, please do leave us a review as it helps get our stories to more ears. Until next time, take care.